So welcome uh, to Velocity. This is week eight of a series on the book of Acts. For those of you that don't know, uh, the book of Acts is 28 chapters long, so we only have 20 weeks left to go. I'm just kidding. I know. I get it. Like attention spans these days, I mean, we would never be able to handle that. We've actually condensed the book of Acts, 28 chapters, into just eight weeks. So today is the last week that we're in Acts. And we're going to, I'm, I'm going to kind of set the stage because I know you've probably, it's a summer, you've been in and out, vacation, all that kind of stuff. So you probably haven't been here for every week. And so I just want us to go back through this and, and just look at how we've condensed this book down over the last couple of weeks. Because what we've done is we've taken 28 chapters, put them into eight weeks, and then each week we've focused on one word that kind of sets the tone for what Acts is all about. Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament, and it's all about how God sparked the movement that we're still a part of right now. I mean, you're in church, and you're here, we're worshiping together, and that's what was started with Acts. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus was the catalyst for the gathering that we're still a part of uh, today. There's a lot in the book of Acts, a lot of stories, a couple things that I'll bring up, a lot of craziness that happens there. Maybe you've been reading in Acts as we've been going through the sermon series. It's got a lot of great content, but here's how we've broken it down over the last eight weeks. The first week uh, we talked about, and our focus word of that week was the word wait. Now, I know you have all these memorized, and you've been like on it, and it's in the program on the front, and you're like, oh yeah, I know what they all are. But we talked about wait, and wait is, like, that's one of the toughest things for us to do, I think, because most of us just want something to happen. Like, even if it's not so the best thing to happen, we just want to make something happen. As long as there's something going on, if we're busy, uh, if something is occupying our mind and our time, we feel somewhat productive, even if we're not accomplishing our goal. And yet God, when he starts the church, he tells his followers to go and wait. Wait on him to show up and to spark the movement. Because that's what he does. Week two, he sends the Holy Spirit, who is the helper. That was the second word that we focused on. The Holy Spirit is really who sparks the movement in us and throughout history. The book of Acts is not about the acts of the apostles. It's not about the acts of the disciples. It's not about the acts of the Christians you know, that are talked about throughout its pages. It's not about the acts of the churches that are talked about. It's about the Holy Spirit and what God does when he changes lives throughout Acts. Uh, week three was the word boldness. Holy Spirit helps us to be bold in sharing the gospel, this story of Jesus dying for our sins and coming back to life again so that we could be reconciled to God. And we need to have boldness in sharing that message. Now, there might be persecution, that was in the next week, that comes along with that, where sometimes we might feel uncomfortable, which is kind of what we call persecution in our context most of the time. That's not really what it is, but sometimes our lives and our livelihood could be threatened because we're sharing Jesus with other people. People react to Jesus differently uh, throughout the world, throughout our country. And so that's just one of the realities that may come, but the message is worth it. Um, week five, we talked about transformation. We met a guy named Saul, who later became Paul. He started off as a guy that was seeking Christians to throw in jail. Uh, he helped execute them, and God meets him on the road of his life, uh, quite literally, actually, and he changes his name to Paul because he becomes the greatest Christian missionary that ever lived. He actually writes most of the New Testament. Week six, our, our word was bacon. 
That may seem strange to you if you weren't here that Sunday, but uh, week six was Bacon Sunday at Velocity. And uh, so if you missed that, sorry, maybe we'll do it again uh, sometime in the future. But our, okay, our word wasn't bacon. It wasn't about breakfast that day, uh, although it was for, for a little bit of the message because uh, it's bacon. Uh, our word was inclusion because the gospel is for everyone. Uh, there's no one that is not included in this free gift of grace that God wants us to share with other people. And last week, our word was accessible. Talked about how Paul lived his life and that he made the gospel accessible to people because God meets us where we are, and he's never as far away from us as we think. And so this week, we're coming to the end of a great book, which, which I know sometimes that can be, that can be tough. Yeah. Anybody a reader in here? I know we have some readers. I know some of you are avid readers. And, and there's this, I love to read, and there's this feeling uh, after reading a good book where it's kind of like a, I don't know, it's a deep sigh where you feel like you're losing someone in your life where you know you're never going to see them again. I mean, you could pick up the book and read it again, but you can never read it again for the first time. You know what I mean? And how the characters and how the story, the plot and all that kind of stuff impacted you and affected you. And, and so a lot of times what we do with a book is we'll take it back to the library or we'll put it back on our bookshelf or we'll close our Kindle and, and we'll say, oh man, that was great experience, but now we kind of move on. Maybe we'll recommend it to someone and say, oh yeah, I read that once, you know, that kind of thing, but we kind of move, move on forward. Maybe, I know attention spans, you know, book readers and all that kind of stuff. How many of you watch TV? Are you, you really, how many of you like really get into TV shows? Like anybody ever seen Lost? Do we have any Lost fans in here? Okay, a little bit more in second service than first service. No perfect people allowed. So, uh, but if you want, after service, I can explain to you uh, why Lost was a waste of time. <laughs> my, my wife loves Lost, for, for the record. She says something in first service, uh, but... Uh, she's got like all the seasons, she rewatches them and stuff like that, and I just make fun of that as much as I can. Or like you could be a fan of a real show like 24 with Jack Bauer, you know, the, yeah, exactly, that's what I'm talking about. Or maybe cult following like Firefly, you know, where, where you're not just, you're not just a fan of that, those types of show. I mean, people are followers, they get tattoos, like they've, they name their dog Dharma. Is that, is that what, is that what it was, Yes. No, it's not from, oh, okay. I was, I was, when I saw your dog's name was Dharma, I was thinking, our, our kids director, Adria, uh, and her husband, Rex, one of our elders, they have a dog named Dharma, and I was, I was thinking Dharma Initiative. All right, we've gone way off the rails here already. I'll kind of, we'll course correct here. But you're not just a fan, like you're, you're, a, follower, uh, you're a follower of that, and, and it, it kind of impacts your life. You share it with people, and you hate that it has gone away. You know, those of you that know what Firefly is, it only ran, ran for one season. You think, oh, it would be great if it could come back. But it would never come back the same, right? The experience, you think, oh, it's kind of over and it's done with. And so it can kind of feel like that with Acts, where there's this great story, great, you know, things that happen in the church, and that's great. But what am I supposed to do with it now that we've kind of closed the chapter, the book, you know, and set it to the side? What happens, what happens now? We come to the end of what might be one of the most significant books of the whole Bible, especially for the church. That seemed like it was a great story, but now it's over and we're kind of moving forward in our lives. But one of the most important things, I think, for us to capture as we close up talking about Acts is that the story is not over. The book is not shut. 
that the same stories of transformation and life change and inclusion and accessibility and boldness, even persecution, waiting on the Holy Spirit to help us, they continue on today and that you and I as Christ followers are a part of that same story. We continue to live out, the, the chapters of Acts continue to be written as we continue to live out the story of the church. The story of people who discover Jesus and what he did for their lives and how it changed everything. When you read the book of Acts, that's what it is. It's just constantly story after story of people whose lives were changed and transformed after they understood God's love for them and decided to respond by giving him their lives. So that's why today's focus word and our final word for our series is the word testimony. And testimony, if you're a Christian, testimony can make you a little nervous when you think of testimony. Testimony is a good word. When the Bible uses the word testimony, it comes from a word that has the same root word for uh, martyr. So when we talk about that, there's, there's this witnessing uh, aspect of testimony. You think about it when you go into a courtroom, courtroom, you've got to give your testimony. You're going to testify. You're going to talk about evidence, things that you've seen, things that you've experienced, things that have happened to you, things that you know about. And so you're going to give that testimony. You're going to give that witness. And for years, Christians have used that word to mean testimony, to mean sharing the gospel of Jesus with other people. And I think sometimes that makes Christians, again, a little nervous. Sometimes we think, I, I don't, how do I do that? Like, I don't, I don't necessarily know all the right words to say. I don't have all these wise arguments. There are probably some things I still don't know about the Bible that somebody's going to ask me a question. They're going to put me on the spot, and I really don't know what to do with that. Uh, but we're going to really simplify all of that this morning. And here's, here's where we're headed with this. And here's how I want you to think of, of testimony and what it looks like to share that with other people. Your testimony, very simply, is where your story was changed by God's story. That's what it is. Over and over through Acts, we see people whose story was changed by God's story. And you and I get to share that story. It's our testimony. We've seen this happen time and time again over the last eight weeks throughout the book of Acts. We've seen the early church grow, and we've seen it grow from people who come from all different walks of life, all different experiences, but they all have the same thing in common, and that's the fact that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and raised again so that they could be reconciled to God. Some of the stories we didn't cover, like in chapter 8, we read about the Ethiopian eunuch who is riding along, and he's reading the book of Isaiah, and he needs help understanding it. And so Stephen is there, and he asks him to explain it to him. And so Stephen just gets up there and shares what he knows. And at the end of that, this guy is thinking, this Ethiopian eunuch, he's forever changed. He hears about Jesus and what he's done and how he's the sacrifice that's come for the world. And he pulls over immediately so he could be baptized right away. His story was forever changed. He goes back home and he shares that with the people in his home and their lives are forever changed. Or we could read in chapter 16, the good news of Jesus reached Lydia, a lady who lived in Philippi, a city in Greece, who became, a, who became someone who shared the story, who hosted uh, a church who let people know about the gospel of Jesus. As Paul is there sharing the gospel, he ends up getting tossed in jail because of this, and he ends up sharing the gospel with a Roman jailer whose story and life is forever changed because of the gospel. 
In chapter 18 in Corinth, another city in Greece, Paul meets people who would become strong, great Christian leaders in the church. A couple named Aquila and Priscilla and their friend Apollos. They ended up becoming missionaries for the rest of their lives, sharing the story of God's change in their lives and how it impacts all of us, leading countless people to Jesus, people whose stories were forever changed. In chapter 19, we're in the city of Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. And there, this is really, and I told you, there's some interesting stories in there. There we meet a group of people who get together. They're confronted and convicted by this story about Jesus and what these people have experienced through him. And they get together. They've um, been performing witchcraft. That's a hobby they had. So they had a witchcraft club in Ephesus. And they got together and they decided this is something that we need to get rid of in our lives. This is something that keeps us distant from God. And so they got together and burned all of their books of magic. All right. People got together and said, let's estimate how much is being burned up here. There's 50,000 silver pieces worth of material that these people got together to get rid of in their life. We're talking about lifetimes worth of income and you start to think about that and how, how so much of the sacrificial uh, temple idol system existed in, in those days and how the church and the, and the truth and reality of Jesus was disrupting not only just people's lives but whole economies. And that's why a lot, a lot of the missionaries that we read about in the Bible were getting tossed in jail and people were trying to get rid of them and kill them because they were messing up their livelihoods. They were taking money from people because of you know, they were celebrating and worshiping inanimate objects. I mean, it changed everything. And what would make all these people change so much and be willing to make such sacrificial moves in their lives? The testimony that Paul and his fellow workers in Christ were sharing to everyone they came into contact with. To the testimony of these people, the evidence, the witness that they were giving to what had happened in their lives and what they had experienced. And in Acts chapter 19, verse 20, Luke says this. He says, In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Because the story of God changes our story. And it's a powerful testimony. One of the guys that uh, traveled with Paul early on that uh, actually got thrown in jail with him when they were being bold and sharing the gospel, he writes his own letters that are included in the New Testament. And in what he says about Jesus in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, this is a great summary of what our testimony looks like when we share it with other people. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard and which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. He's not talking about, oh, I heard a pastor say this one time and it sounded clever or read this book on Christian theology. And so, that, you know, this is something to think about. He's not saying this is kind of what I hope is true about these things. And this is why I talk about them and writing a letter about it. No, he's saying these are the things that I've personally experienced. This is the way this has impacted and changed my life. This is my testimony. I mean, you, you don't have to read the Bible all that closely to realize that the writers of the New Testament are not con artists. I mean, there's nothing about what they're writing and what they're proclaiming that has given them any personal gain. They're not getting any royalties off of their books that they're sharing with people. It's not like their social and material status is 
uh, is becoming prosperous in, in a way that we would measure it, in a way that we would measure prosperity. Their spiritual lives have changed for all eternity, but it's not for personal gain that they're sharing this message. It's because of what God has done in their lives. They had seen God in the flesh. They had interacted with his story, and it had transformed them. We spent a whole week talking about Paul and his transformation, but it happened with more than just him when it comes to the followers of Jesus. Peter, he wasn't always a great leader of the church. He was the one who gave the first ever gospel message, but he started off as an uneducated, hot-headed fisherman and then ended up turning into a discerning, well-respected teacher. James and John, uh, two of Jesus' closest followers, they were called, the nicknamed the Sons of Thunder. Jesus gave them this nickname. They were the guys that would go, when they would go into a city and people wouldn't listen to Jesus, they were the ones who were saying, hey, you want us to call down fire from heaven? Like, let's just destroy everybody. That was kind of their, their gig. So they were the Sons of Thunder, and Jesus rebukes them and they start there. They want all the fame and glory when it comes to the kingdom when Jesus is going to establish it. But then they turn into wise and thoughtful missionaries. They transform. Their stories change. Matthew, if you open up the New Testament, you're going to see his gospel first on the list. He was, des- he was despised. He was considered a liar and a cheat because he was a tax collector among his people. And yet he turned into an honest man with a great reputation and remember, it is the guy who wrote what's ordered in the New Testament as the first book. These people all had baggage, but when they met Jesus, their lives were changed. And the greatest evidence that they could ever provide to convince anyone else was to show how the amazing grace of God's love had changed things for them. Amazing grace. Um, you, you guys have probably heard that song before. Even if you haven't spent a whole lot of time in church, the last hundred years, several hundred years, it's been incredibly popular, maybe arguably the most popular Christian hymn. And you maybe even have some of the words memorized, but you might not know the story behind it. You might not know, for example, that John Newton, this is a, a picture of him, that he's the author. And you might not know that he lived in the 1700s, and you might not know that he started off his life as a slave trader. That was John Newton. He worked on slave trade ships. I mean, he was actively involved in enslaving other human beings and selling them to other human beings. I mean, one of the most atrocious things that you could be a part of in your life. And yet there was a moment when he was confronted by the testimony of Jesus, where someone shared the gospel with him, and he changed his life. He became a clergyman in the Church of England. He didn't just stop becoming a slave trader at that moment in his life. He actually became an activist in the abolitionist movement and was on the front row of changing slavery from being law to being outlawed in England. When you hear the story of transformation, the testimony of John Newton, his story and what actually happened in his life, it sheds a whole new light on the lyrics of the song that we probably have memorized by rote. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. gives a whole new meaning to the words 
Because now you know the story behind it, the testimony. I mean, the songs that we sing on Sunday morning, right? I mean, we're not just doing that because one of the things you do when you come to church is you sing songs. I mean, these are, these are the people who pen these words. I mean, it's a testimony of who God is and what he's done in, in our lives. I mean, some of these songs that we sing are written by Chip. Like, that, that's a testimony. He's sharing something that has happened in his life as a result of what God has done. What is your story? What is your testimony? What has God done in your life? How has God's story changed your story? One of the things that happens over and over in the book of Acts is that when you and I share our testimony, what God is doing with our life, it is the most powerful thing we can do to introduce somebody to the transformative grace of Jesus. And that's the task that Jesus has given us. And, and I get, like, we think about how do, we, how do we do this, all right? We have a testimony, we're supposed to share it. I mean, things are different. That's the reason we're here. And that's the reason we're worshiping together. Like, what do we do with that? Well, the first, first thing is let God actually have your story. I mean, if you're like me, uh, most days you're probably still hung up on wanting con- to still control and drive your own ship in life. You have your goals, you have your, thing, your things that you want to accomplish, you want uh, a certain way for things to uh, kind of lay out when it comes to, to life. You want to build and stack things in a particular way, and it doesn't happen, so you try to do something to self-correct that, and you continually try to figure and, and make it happen on your own until you finally stop to realize, it's like, man, I'm, I'm not driving the ship all that well. Like, when, when I'm in control of things, it doesn't seem like things work out all that great. Well, it's because God wants us to give our story over to him. Let him have it. Let, let him start to author it for you. When you're not strong enough, when your fear takes over, when your old habits take over, when your bad attitude takes over, all of those things is because we've taken back control from God in our lives. Let him have your story. That's where the testimony and the evidence begin. Um, Second thing is this. When you're talking about sharing the gospel with someone, I I know a lot of times we think of what's the verse I need to memorize and what's the thing I need to um, say, what should be my opening line? Has anybody told you about Jesus today? Like, how am I going to accomplish this and get into this? Here's what happens over and over in the Bible, and here's what works in my life. And here's what will work in yours. Tell God's story by sharing your story. Because if you're letting him have your story, they become one and the same. You start to just be authentic and share the reality of what God has done in your life and how he's changed your story. Tell people what he's done for you. Share that you were once lost, but now that you're found. That once you were addicted, but now that you're clean. That once you were in a terrible marriage, but now you found fullness in him. That once you thought your identity was all in having the big-time job, earning the big-time money. But now you realize that your identity is not found in that because you're a child of the king and nothing could ever possibly top that. Tell God's story by telling your story. Let's people, that they're not, let's people know that they're not alone, that there is hope, that God can flip the script for anyone. He can take a persecutor of the church and make him a missionary. He can take a slave trader and turn him into an abolitionist. He can take a guy who lives in a van down by the river and 
He can live in a van down by the river. What's your story? I know it's a good one. I've talked with a lot about, a lot of you about your story. I know it's fascinating, and I mean that mostly in a positive context. <laughs> You're fascinating people. And your story is worth being heard. People, trust me, I, you, you guys, some of us are connecting here. Like, you know that we've heard, you need to be sharing that with other people. The same things that you shared with me about how God is transforming your life and what he's done. Listen, I I've probably have the most vanilla testimony in the room, both first service and second service. I guarantee it. There's that one night I spent in jail. But I told you I'm going to save that story for another, like, another really good you know, sermon illustration. So I could share that sometime. The only bad testimony is the one that's not shared. <laughs> Your story matters. And not just to you, it matters to the people who are around you. Acts is, you know, when God sparks a movement, that's our byline for this sermon uh, series, has been for this sermon series, when God sparks a movement. And here, here's the thing. Like the Holy Spirit is the, is the spark but don't forget that you and I, as Christ followers, we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, that you and I can be the spark in the lives of other people. That when Jesus tells his followers, you are the light of the world, and that light can't be hidden. Like We live in a dark world. We live in, around people and with people who are in darkness that need the light that we carry, that need the spark that we have within us. And you and I, when we share that, man, it, it brings light into people's lives. And your friends, and your schools, and to your neighborhoods, and to your workplace, whatever, whatever, whatever context you find yourself in, you and I can be the spark. And I just, I just want to share, like, here, here's, the, here's the way that that happens. When you and I realize that our stories are God's stories, and that we're called to share what he's done in our lives, our perspective shifts from thinking that what God has done is just for us. God didn't send Jesus just for Rob or just for you. He sent Jesus for all of us. And so the spark that you and I carry, it's meant to be shared. Your story is not your own. God didn't do what he did to make your life easier. He did it to bless the entire world. And so it's not until we start to understand Jesus' perspective. Read Philippians chapter 2. It's my favorite chapter in, in the Bible. Read Philippians chapter 2. That's your homework. Read Philippians chapter 2 and look what it means to humble ourselves as a servant like Jesus did. And, it, and it's when we begin to serve others with our lives. And we are in community with people who are serving us. Like that, That's what we're called. This is the community that we're called into when we serve each other. That is the spark through which our testimony is shared to other people. That's where we start to see the evidence of God's change in our life, start to make practical, uh, tangible changes in our lives and the lives of other people. The greatest stories are the ones you feel like you're a part of. But guess what? This is not a story that we're just a part of and we can experience. This is our story. We are the book of Acts. And it continues to be written. And we continue to be the sparks of that story. The spark that God lit among those first Christians so many years ago continues to spread 
today because it changes people, and changed people can't help but share their story of change, their testimony. And maybe your testimony hasn't begun yet. Maybe you haven't given God control of your ship at all, ever, in your life. And I just wanted to let you know, the same invitation that's here on Sunday mornings, the same invitation that's available on Mondays at 2 a.m., whatever's going on in your life, is that when people heard the testimony about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and believed, they repented, they confessed, they were baptized, and they lived their lives with God. And that's the same invitation that we have today, is that your testimony can start now, and you and I are the spark that can start the testimony in someone else's life. Let's, let's be the spark together as a church. Let me pray for us. God, I, I, uh, I, regularly, I regularly don't understand how you choose to, uh, why you choose to use imperfect people. Seems like perfect people would be so, uh, just such a, a better way to share your gospel uh, to other people. And yet time and time again you show, not only through scripture, but in, in, through, in through life, how imperfect people who are changed by your grace are how you change the world. And God gives us the wisdom and the strength and, and the courage, the boldness to share that story, to give our testimony to others, to live our lives as evidence of what you have done for and with us. God, we, we thank you for the privilege that it is to be called your children. In your son's name we pray, amen.